Well, I'm so glad you're with us today. We're in a second installment in a series on finding peace because we live in a world where there's lots of things that can stress us out. And today we're going to talk about finding peace in a, a thing that's really hard for most of us, and that's finding peace while we wait for God to do what he's going to do in our lives. And I hate waiting. Does anybody else hate waiting? Yeah, and some of you didn't even want to wait for the answer to that question. Okay, that was... We hate waiting. I mean, if we download a movie and it takes more than 30 seconds, I need a new internet service provider. It's 30 seconds. Uh, we want instant messaging. We want instant communication. We want instant answers to prayer. Yet, as Christians, we experience things like this. Lord, I've been praying for years, and I can't find a spouse, and I'm lonely. Lord, I've been praying for years. I want a child, and I can't have a child. Lord, I've been praying for years, and I can't find the right job. I need a job. Lord, I've been praying for years, and I'm still not reconciled with my parents, or I'm still not reconciled with my brother. And Lord, it's been years. What's going on? Well, how do I find peace in that? That is a good question. Great news is the Bible has great answers. And today we're going to be talking about this. How can we find peace while we wait. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the opportunity today to open your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice, and it matters how we practice our faith while we wait. Lord, you're working in our lives. We're going to talk about this, but Lord, we don't understand you a lot of times. And Lord, at times we pray about things and it seems like nothing's happening for years. And so, God, would you teach us some things about you today? Would you teach us some things about ourselves today? And would you show us what we need to know about waiting on you? If you would like the Lord to speak to you today and to give you peace at a new level in your life, then just pray that silently right where you are. Father, I thank you for today. I pray that you will speak and move me out of the way, that you'll give us peace while we wait. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. So let me remind us of something very important. God is working out his plans in each of our lives. This is the opening point on the outline that you received when you came in. If you're joining us online, if you go to centeringlives.com, you can download an outline right there and uh, fill it out if you'd like, but the idea, or just follow along. But the idea is terribly important because Psalm 138.8 reminds us of this. The Lord will work out his plans for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. Can we say that together, please? The Lord will work out his plans for my life. God has plans for you, for your life. And you're going... Well, that's a crazy plan. I don't see it. Well, that's just what we're talking about here. Ephesians 2, Paul said, For we are God's masterpiece, and he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so he can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has things for you to accomplish in this world. Me too. Well, yeah, John, I mean, you're in ministry. Sure he has something for you. Uh-uh, it doesn't work that way. He's got plans for each one of us. Sure, he's got plans for me in ministry, but 
That wasn't my plan growing up. It wasn't. In fact, let me read this note to you. God's plans are not the same as ours. Has anybody else experienced this besides me? Oh, my goodness. If you'd have told me that one day I was going to be the pastor of a church, much less that I'd be the pastor of a church in Alabama, I grew up on a wheat farm in Kansas. And I have to, I, I mean, I'm reminded of this all the time that God's plans aren't mine. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Every now and then, it happened again recently, Debbie and I went and uh, met some people for dinner, and we were talking, and they said, well, you know, how'd you guys meet, and John, how'd you get in ministry? And then Debbie goes, wait, do you want the short answer or the long answer? Because he's thought about this, okay? And the people said, we want the long answer. And she's going, I'm going to go wait in the car. I mean, this is going to be forever. <laughs> because I started telling him, I go, and it goes to this point, when you look at my plans, my undergraduate degree was in agricultural engineering from Kansas State University, and if the Lord would have told me as I was studying engineering that I would one day be in ministry in Alabama, I just wouldn't have believed it. I mean, if you're wondering, why doesn't he just tell me the whole plan? Well, I, I don't know how that would have worked. Well, John, you're going to be a... Uh, a pastor in Alabama. It's like, okay, well, I prayed about things and I was sure that God was taking me in the right direction after I graduated and I took a job with a company that was uh, that got me to Alabama. And if God had told me, well, I'm going to use this company to get you to Alabama. Well, where's the company? Minneapolis, Minnesota. So you're going to use a company in Minneapolis to get me to Alabama. Exactly. Oh, and by the way, that's where you're going to meet your wife. Does she work for the company? No, she's going to be volunteering for a ministry, and you both, and so will you. What's the name of the ministry? Well, you won't find out about that for four more years. I mean, if you tried to explain it to me, I wouldn't have believed it, and neither would you. It just all sounds crazy. And so when we look at stories in the Bible, sometimes we forget the people going through these things, we read it with hindsight. When they were going through it, they didn't have any more clues to this than we did. And it's so important to trust that God is working out his plans for my life. God is working out his plans for my life. Can we say that one more time? God is working out his plans for my life. Secondly, it's important to remind ourselves that God's working out his plans for our lives at exactly the right time. Timing matters. There's an, important, there's an appointed time for everything, Ecclesiastes 3.1. There's a time for every matter under heaven. There is. Timing's important. If a friend told you they were getting married and they said, oh, we got this beautiful wedding planned, and this, they told you the location, it was gorgeous, they had all these beautiful flowers, and they, this great reception and a great band that's going to play at the reception and all this great food, and you go, great, when is it? It's right during the Iron Bowl. Bad plan. What's wrong? Well, there's nothing wrong with a the caterer. There's nothing wrong with the flowers. You just can't do it then. Timing matters. Timing matters with investing. Timing matters in sports. Timing matters in reconciling with a friend. Yeah, I wouldn't call him right now. It all matters. And yet sometimes with God, we go, God, you know I want this. Give it to me now. Well, God says, not only do you have to trust my plans, you're going to have to trust my timing. 
Let's not get tired of doing what's good. Galatians 6, 9, at just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So it's important to remind ourselves that God's understanding of time is not the same as ours. 2 Peter 3, 8. You must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. We don't look at time the same way he does. And so if I'm going to have a relationship with the eternal one, I have to accept this. God calls himself this. When Moses asked him, what is your name? God said, my name is I am. I always was. I am. I always will be. I'm the eternal one. And if anybody wants to know who sent you, just tell them the God who is I am sent you. And so if I'm going to talk to him about my plan, his plans for my life, I have to accept, well, this is going to be bigger than I thought. It's going to take me directions I didn't plan to go, and it's not going to be in the time that I think is right. Most of the time. So in order to cooperate with God, this is point C in your outline, in order to cooperate with him and his plan for our lives and his timing, I need to wait. And there's that four-letter word again, wait. Oh, we hate to wait. The Lord says you're going to have to trust me on this. Lamentations chapter 3. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I mean, salvation means rescue. He will rescue you at just the right time. Just trust him. And this is so hard. Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. If we trust in the Lord, then life isn't overwhelming. If we go at his pace, in his direction, and we wait for his timing. Now, it's important to remind ourselves that all of the heroes of the Bible had to wait on the Lord. Like I said before, sometimes we read their stories and go, well, yeah, I mean, they trusted the Lord. It was easy for them. No, it wasn't. David had to wait 15 years to become the king over Israel. I mean, he did. He was anointed by the prophet. You're going to be the next king. And over the next 15 years, David had to run from the current king, who later became his father-in-law. I mean, Saul, the current king, went crazy and tried to kill him on multiple occasions. And David was the anointed king. He was doing exactly what God wanted, but he couldn't fulfill that position for 15 more years. Abraham had to wait 25 years before Isaac, the child God had promised him, was born. Abraham was called when he was 75 years old to go to a land that the Lord would give him. He said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. You're going to have many, many descendants. And Abraham said, I don't have any descendants. And God said, I'm going to give you descendants. Well, that baby wasn't born for 25 more years. Moses had to wait 40 years to rescue his fellow Israelites from slavery. For the first 40 years of his life, Moses was raised in the palace of Pharaoh himself. He was an Israelite, received a first-class Egyptian education, 
and he realized that God had put him in a unique position to help his freedom, help his people find freedom from slavery in Egypt. And one day when he saw an Egyptian slave driver brutally beating an Israelite, Moses killed him and buried his body in the sand so the guy could go free. And he thought the rest of the Israelites would then rally around him, but they didn't. All that happened was the Egyptians wanted to kill him for murder. And so he ran for 40 years. And 40 years later, the Lord appeared to him and said, all the people who wanted you dead are now dead themselves, Moses. Now I can send you back to rescue the people. Now go. 40 years, 25 years, 15 years. And the people weren't doing what, uh, the wrong thing. They were waiting on the Lord to give them the right timing to do exactly what he called them to do. And that's another thing I want to say here is that waiting for the Lord is often hard and confusing. And so if you struggle with this, it's okay. It's one of the reasons we gather together on Sunday mornings. We open God's Word. We talk about these passages because these are hard passages to hear. But we're in this together, and this is why God gives us fellowship so we can encourage each other. Listen to what David wrote in Psalm 27. I would have lost heart unless I'd believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He'll strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. I mean, you and I get to wait on the Lord, or when we have to wait on the Lord, Lord, we can take great courage in the fact that God himself knows how hard this is. Oh, it helps me a lot to know that David would have given up. Because there's times I feel like giving up. But it means the world to me when I can find a fellow brother or sister in Christ and we can go pray about this and say, hey, I'm, I'm tired. I want to give up. Yeah, don't give up. Keep praying. Hang in there another day. And I want to remind us that the solution that we've been praying for may be six hours away or six minutes away. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be next year. But when God is making us wait, he has good reasons. In fact, that's what I want to go over with you is a couple of good reasons that we can experience uh, in just a minute. We'll talk about some good reasons why God might be making us wait. But we're not going to experience peace until we trust him and that his reasons are better than ours. Isaiah 26.3, it's kind of our verse for the whole series here. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I mean, will I trust him? Will I say, God, I, I trust you, that your timing's better than mine. I trust that your plans are better than mine. I trust you. Because that's when he gives us perfect peace. And perfect peace is a calm assurance that God is working and that his timing is best. Man, it looks like God's not working in my life. I remember when I moved here to Alabama and... I was thinking, oh my goodness, I had arrived here and I didn't know a soul. I was a thousand miles from anybody in my family, anybody I'd grown up with. And I got here and I was going, oh, how am I ever going to meet anybody? But God opened a door through a ministry to high school kids called Young Life. And they were having a leaders meeting. And I went to that leaders meeting and in walked this stunning redhead who's now my wife. And I remember I'd called my parents before I went to that meeting, and I'd said, I don't know, this is really hard. And they said, hang in there, John, don't give up. You, know, you just 
I've only been there a short while and other things. I went to that meeting, and the next day I called my parents. They were checking on me. They called me and said, how are you doing? I go, I love this place. What are you talking about? This is the greatest place ever. <laughs> You'll keep in perfect peace if you trust in him. I mean, all of a sudden here, hey, things changed. Perfect peace. God's working. His timing's best. Listen to Isaiah 64, 4. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Nobody's ever seen a God like the God we worship. He works for those who wait for him. I want him working on my behalf. So do you. God is working his plans out in my life. He's working out his plans in my life. Here are a couple of good reasons why we might have to wait. God might be making us wait in order to mature us. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. This hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. God's maturing us. Maturity takes time. If God had told me that he was going to use a company in Minneapolis to bring me to Alabama where I was going to meet the gorgeous redhead who's now my wife, I'd have driven straight to Alabama to find the gorgeous redhead that day. I had originally been dating another girl in college. I thought I was going to marry her, and I was so frustrated after that all went south, and she fell in love with another guy, and, you know, anyway, don't want therapy right now. Anyway, the whole idea is this. I had to wait two and a half years before I met Debbie, and if I'd have gone straight down, if the Lord said, this is the girl you're going to one day marry, I'd have gone straight there then, and that would have been disastrous because God was working on me, and he was working on her both during those two and a half years, maturing us a lot. Debbie insists that he was working a lot more on me than on her, and I think she's right. But it wouldn't have worked two and a half years sooner. I'm looking in hindsight, this all makes sense. When we're going through it, I don't know what you're doing. God is maturing you. And when you look around and you think, hey, what was I like five years ago? I mean, you'll be able to see that God has grown you in some areas where you weren't, you were very impatient before. You may now have patience. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And God's working on us. Secondly, God may be making us wait in order to protect us. I don't know the dangers around the corner. Neither do you. I mean, I know for a fact that God was maturing me, but I don't know what other dangers I would have encountered had I tried to rush ahead of him. He does. Joseph, another biblical character we haven't even talked about yet, was 17 when his brothers sold him into slavery. They were jealous about him. They were jealous of him. He had a special relationship with his dad. His dad had given him this special coat to wear. It was a sign of honor. And one day he came out to his brothers and told them that he'd had this dream from God that they would all bow down to him, and they'd had enough. The next opportunity they had, they sold him into slavery when their father wasn't around, and they took that special coat, ripped it up, soaked it in some animal blood, and told their dad that Joseph must have been torn to pieces by some wild animal. Meanwhile, Joseph was in slavery. Then the 
person who purchased his services, purchased him as a slave. Um, the man's wife tried to seduce Joseph when he wouldn't give in to that. She accused him of trying to rape her. He was sold into slavery, sold it, then taken to prison, from slavery to prison. And it was only years later, after he'd been in prison, that he met a right-hand man to the king, to Pharaoh, and interpreted a dream for him that eventually turned into the situation, that brought about the situation where one day Pharaoh had a dream he couldn't interpret. This right-hand man said, well, when I was in jail that one time, I met a, a guy there who can interpret dreams, and then Joseph was elevated to the position of prime minister. Then years later, it was 13 years later when he became prime minister, seven or eight years after that, when his brothers came to see him, his brothers eventually came and actually bowed down to him exactly like God had told Joseph in the dream over 20 years later. Now, if God had told Joseph, hey, here's the dream. Your brothers are going to bow down to you, but they're going to be treacherous to you, and they're going to sell you into slavery, and then there's going to be this woman who accuses you of a crime you didn't commit, and you're actually going to go to jail, and then you're going to be in jail for like years. And eventually, it's all going to turn out okay. I mean, how would Joseph have handled that? Well, the same way you and I would. I don't want to do that. But God used all of those experiences to mature him, to teach him everything he needed. So when the time came for him to lead, he was ready. In fact, when Joseph was talking to his brothers about it one day, here's what he said. You intended to harm me, but God didn't intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Turned out that God had sent him in advance, and he was able to save the lives, save not only his life from starving in a famine, but all of his brothers and their families. What if God delays on something that you want right now or that I want right now, and he's going, John, keep your shirt on. That's the John Schmidt translation. I'm working on this, and I'm protecting you from something you can't even possibly imagine. Thirdly, God may be making us wait in order to bless us. Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God, who's able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. What if God is bringing all sorts of pieces together at exactly the right time to not only answer my prayers, but other people's prayers? Turns out my wife was praying for a godly man in her life. And she tells her friends God had to import a guy from Kansas to make that prayer come true. I'm glad he did. So while he's answering my prayers, he's answering her prayers. And not only did I meet her, but this is where I got involved with that ministry that we both became a part of. It's where I got involved with Fraser Methodist. It was a church I attended, later worked there for 20 years. And all those experiences have impacted my life today. Looking back, it's crystal clear. Looking forward didn't make a lick of sense. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and keep, your eyes, keep their eyes fixed on you. Not our circumstances. So if I'm going to find peace while I wait, I can find peace because I can trust that God is for me. That if he's taking, making me wait, it's going to mature me, he's going to bless me, and he's protecting me. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. Please let this encourage you. 
okay, well, John, well, what can I do, though? I'm in the middle of some stuff right now, and this is driving me crazy waiting on this. How do I find some peace? Well, here are four things we can do very quickly. First of all, we can schedule time each day to meet with God and be quiet and still. This is really difficult in our world because everywhere we go, I mean, music's playing. There are video monitors now everywhere we go. We've got phones in front of us constantly, and we can be bombarded with a million images. And it's so important to just set up time to be quiet and still and remind ourselves that God is working out his plan for my life. And Jesus practiced this. When he was to the height of the busiest parts of his ministry, he'd go, be off by, go off by himself and just be quiet and still. Listen to Psalm 37. This is David, the guy who was running from the crazy father-in-law, the guy who was anointed king but wouldn't be king for 15 years. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper. I mean, he literally has an evil guy trying to kill him. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. David wrote that. Here's what Jesus said. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift of peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you is a gift the world can't give, so don't be troubled or afraid. This is why we need to read the Bible each day and sit still. After we read it, write down a few thoughts of what the Lord told you. And then look at those thoughts, meditate on them, and just be quiet. God, you have to speak to me. And this is why it's such an important thing to do this early in the morning before all the needs of the day come rushing at you like a herd of wild animals. Emails, phone calls, demands, worries, and then all the headlines of the day which tell you the whole world's falling apart. Today, I'm going to trust in you, Lord. I don't understand everything you're doing, but I never will. I don't understand your timing, but I trust you. And God, I want you to give me a peace the world can't give. Jesus, that's why I'm meeting with you today. Would you give me peace? My prayer for you today, as I've been praying about this message this week, is that God would remind us of these things. And that we would just, as we get in his presence, we begin to feel that the Lord's peace is washing over us right now. If you have felt that and you have noticed that even while we've been sitting here, all of a sudden your heart is lighter and there's a calm assurance that God is working in your life, let it come. That's God working in you, changing the way you think. Let him do his work in you now. He's for you. He's working out his plan for your life, even now while you sit here. He's using these words from his word to bring you peace of mind and heart. Secondly, we can stop grumbling and complaining. I can sit still in God's presence. I can meditate on what he's told me, and I can just sit there and allow him to change the way I think. I can also then quit grumbling and complaining because when I grumble and complain, I'm focused on the problem and not on him. God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. Paul wrote this to the Philippians. He told him, look, God is, he said, I pray for you every day. I thank God that we're partners in ministry. I thank God that, we're, that he's going to work in you till we all get mature here. He's working in you. Let me remind you this. And then the next statement is this. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. 
live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining as bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Well, Debbie and I did get married. We had kids, and then we, went, we would travel every few years. We'd make a pilgrimage back to Kansas for a family vacation to go visit Grandma and Grandpa. Three boys, 13-hour drive in a minivan. It's 13 hours if everybody's getting along. It's 108 hours if we're grumbling and complaining the whole way. Oh, my goodness. Dad, he's touching me. He's touching me. We're going to do this for 13 hours. And we do the same thing. God, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. God, I'm waiting. God, I'm waiting. This isn't fair. Other people have what I, what I want. How come she got this? How come they got that? How come they're doing this? God, they're touching me. I don't feel any peace. Neither do you. And the Lord goes, yeah, that's really not trusting me. Hmm. Let me hit the fourth one, then I'll come back to the third one. Fourth point here that I do is this. We can keep doing the last thing the Lord told us to do until he gives us further instructions. I mean, I always want to put this in here. When we're waiting on God, it doesn't mean we just twiddle our thumbs or we just waste time. That's not it. We do the last thing he told us. I mean, David, again, in Psalm 37, the guy who had to wait 15 years, put your hope in the Lord, travel steadily along his path. He'll honor you. Some translation, keep his way. Keep doing the last thing he told you to do. And if you're meeting with him, and if you're trusting him, he wants what's best for you more than you do. Keep doing that. He'll tell you the next thing. I mean, it's important. And finally, the fourth thing I'll share with you then, like I took a little bit out of order here, but you'll see why in a second. We can sing songs of praise to God Almighty. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up here. But we can sing songs of praise to God Almighty. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. This is David, Psalm 40. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground. He steadied me as I walked along. He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They'll put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud, or those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I'd never come to the end of them. And so David said, I'm not going to try to recite everything, but I will sing a new song. I'm going to sing. I mean, every time we gather for worship, we always have singing. And sometimes people go, well, look, I like hearing a message. Why do you do all that singing stuff? Why do we do all that singing stuff? Because singing is an important part of opening my heart to whatever God wants to do in my life. I'm not only praising him with my head, I'm praising him with my heart. And singing is a skill. The more we do it, the better we are. Oh, I hope you feel like you can come here and sing. You're not going to get a better deal. We're all rookies here. The words are on the screen. And this is a safe place. And what I want us to do, you guys sang that song earlier about the Lord bless you and keep you. I want us to sing that together. And we're going to do that in just a minute. We're going to sing this song again because it comes right out of God's word. Moses, the guy who had to wait 40 years. <laughs> the Lord told him in number six, 
Moses' brother Aaron came with him. And the Lord said this in number six. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. The Lord told Moses, whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel like this in my name, I myself will bless them. When we sing and praise God, we are focusing on Him, not our circumstances. You will keep in perfect peace all who keep their eyes fixed on you. When we sing a song straight out of Scripture where God Himself says, Hey, Moses, tell Aaron, bless the people. When he does, when he gives them that blessing, I'm going to empower it. I will bless them with peace. I need to spend time in God's Word every day so I can keep my eyes on Him. I need to be quiet and still so I can make sure I'm listening. I need to keep doing what He told me to do last, be faithful in that. And oh, I need to sing. So we're going to stand and sing. Before we do, I just want to have a prayer of thanksgiving, first of all, that God is working out his plans for our lives. God is working out his plan for my life. Can we say that together out loud one more time before we pray? God is working out his plan for my life. Now let's pray. Gracious God, we're going to sing to you in just a minute. But Lord, before we do, I want to thank you for sending your son Jesus to give me life, to give me forgiveness, and to give me a place in your family. I want to thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to guide me and empower me in my daily life. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you will open our eyes so we can see all the wonderful things you are doing all around us. And Lord, that we will have the faith to trust you. Lord, I thank you that even the hard things in our lives you use for our good and for your glory. I want to thank you that you are going to guide us and go before us. I want to thank you that you love us even when we blow it and you restore us. Oh God, I want to thank you that you've given us the ability to encourage each other and you've given us the ability to sing. Oh God, I want your peace today. Will you give me trust in you because your timing isn't mine, Lord? I don't understand what you're doing and God, I'd have given up in despair like David if I hadn't trusted that you were good. And so, God, I want to sing of your goodness. I want to sing of your kindness. And, Lord, I want to open my heart to whatever you have for me because I trust that you are working out your plan for my life. Oh, God, fill my heart with peace. Lord, we thank you that Jesus gives us a peace the world cannot give. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray these things together. Amen.